circle, yes, we rotate 360 degrees, high, high, 360 degrees, high, high, 306, 306, 360 degrees, high, high, All right, good evening, everyone, and welcome to Full Circle, your cultural affairs radio magazine, produced by members and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program, broadcasting from right here at KPFA in Huchin. This is occupied Ohlone territory, also known to settlers as Berkeley, California. And this week on Full Circle, we will hear sounds from a Save California Salmon event held at the state capitol here in California in July. On tonight's show, we'll hear from tribal people, community activists, and other water warriors as they fight to protect our water and salmon from the Delta Tunnels Project. That's tonight on Full Circle. I am your host tonight, Freebone Franklin. I'm coming to you from downtown Antioch. This is Bay Miwok territory. Keep it locked right here to KPFA. Yes, again, welcome to Full Circle, the weekly show produced by apprentices and graduates of the First Voice Apprenticeship Program. My name is Freewell and Franklin, and I will be your host tonight. And as I said in the opening of this show tonight, we will be featuring sounds from the Save California Salmon Rally that was held at the state capitol in July. Tribal people have united with Delta farmers, fishermen, and other water warriors to demand the end of the project known as the Delta Tunnels, also known as the Delta Conveyance Project. This project would build two giant tunnels that would divert precious fresh water from the Sacramento River up near Sacramento and divert it south to the Central Valley farmers and further south towards L.A. The project has been pushed by many governors for nearly 40 years, going by names as the Peripheral Canals, the Delta Tunnel Project, and now the Delta Conveyance Project. It has been opposed by fishermen and water rights activists, local tribes whose territories include freshwater rivers, as well as Delta farmers, for just as long. On July 5th, they all united at the state capitol for a massive rally. And just a quick reminder before we get into this audio that this audio came from a video which was live streamed from the event. So you could check out the video on First Voice Media Facebook page. Just scroll down to July 5th or search the videos for July 5th. I will also post a link to the video on our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show tonight. So let's get into the audio. This clip is from the Save California Salmon Rally at the state capitol. It kicks off with Shingle Springs Vice Tribal Chairwoman, Melissa Tayaba. Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Melissa Tayaba. I am the Vice Chair for Shingle Springs Band of Miwok Indians. And today we're going to go ahead and start it off with some songs. <laughs> So I just want to welcome you to uh, my homeland, the Nisanam Pewanan, um, and we're going to start off with some songs. Mm -hmm. 
tribal leaders and representatives, tribal citizens, legislators, staff, and colleagues and guests. My name is Melissa Tayaba, Vice Chair and Director of Traditional Ecological Knowledge for the Shingle Springs Band of Miwok Indians. It's an honor and privilege to welcome you all here today to the homelands of my ancestors, homelands that span seven California counties, including Sacramento and its river systems that extend throughout the Delta and beyond. Today we stand on the unceded lands of the Nisenan-Pewanan people, the territory my great-great-grandmother Pamela Clinzo Adams was born in, lived in, and whose spiritual presence can still be felt. Because of her, her fight, her resilience, her survival, I am able to stand before you today as proof that we can and we have survived the worst California laws ever thrown at us. My ancestors overcame genocide, and because of that, I am confident that together we can prevail over unjust water laws, projects, and power structures. It is a deeply moving and powerful feeling to look out and see so many indigenous and non-indigenous people alike gathered together today to advocate for water justice, equitable water laws, and policies, and to be the voices that have been left out of these critical 
discussions and decisions for too long. Today, we stand in solidarity, working toward common goals, advocating for the rights of tribes and marginalized communities on the important issues impacting us all. We are more than the survivors. We are the protectors. We are the restorers. And we are the collective guardians of our lands, waterways, our resources, our livelihoods, and our cultures. Today, we remind them that we are still here and that together we create change. Thank you. Thank you, Vice Chair. So we're gathered here today to talk about several things, but mostly something that involves all of us. If you look around here and you're going to hear speakers come up here today that are from all kinds of different groups, you're going to hear tribal representatives speak, you're going to hear disadvantaged community representatives speak, you're going to hear conservation groups uh, representatives speak, and you're going to hear fishing communities and fishing group people speak. Now, what do all those four groups have in common? What do you think? Water. <clears throat> and what they have in common is a distaste and a distrust for how water has been handled in California, the management, and what it has done to our environment and to our fish species and to our habitats and to basically California itself. That's what we're here for today, and that's what this Day of Action is about. And I want to note that Governor Newsom is not here today. Governor Newsom is in Utah, I believe. You know, he spent uh, Sunday, I believe, in Montana, and uh, Monday, I believe, in Idaho, and today, today he's in Utah. Hey. And what I wanted to point out is he's not here. And this Day of Action was noticed and permitted over three months ago. So they knew what was coming, and they knew who was coming, and they knew what we were going to talk about. But instead of being here to talk to a broad cross-section of his constituents that uh, go across many groups, many interests, and all that, about what the policies have been in uh, water in California, he's out rubbing shoulders with Republican constituencies in those red states. So that's what he thinks. What I'm going to do is I would like to invite uh, Vice Chair Melissa Tayaba back up here, and she's going to talk about uh, voluntary agreements. So I want to thank all of you fierce advocates here today who are making your voices be heard, who lobbied the legislature in opposition to the governor's infrastructure package, including asking for the removal of the Delta Conveyance Project from the package. I also want to thank the leadership of our legislator for hearing our concerns and ensuring the DCP was not included. We still have a long road ahead to defeat this project and we will keep fighting it, but we are grateful for the legislator's support in taking this first step in the right direction. I also want to state for the record again that the Shingle Springs Band is in strong opposition to the Delta Conveyance Project as it is a direct threat to my tribe, our history, culture, cultural resources, natural resources, sacred sites, and our way of life. 
We know this project will negatively impact our ancestral homelands, disturb and destroy sacred sites, cultural resources, and further endanger our fish, wildlife, and plant life. The ground disturbance caused by construction of the tunnel threatens the resting places of tribal ancestors and the habitats of our birds, fish, and animal relatives. Our gathering places for our traditional foods, medicines, and basketry materials are also at risk. The air, water, and ground pollution caused by the various construction elements of this project can cause harm to the plants we use as basket weavers as well as the health of our weavers, as pollutants can be absorbed and ingested in the basket-making process. We know the health of the delta is already damaged and in need of repair. There isn't enough water flowing into, through, and out of the delta. Hello? Okay. Due to the historic trauma of the delta, the degradation of water quality causes our plant and animal life suffer. We know there are, are at least six fish species in the delta that are currently endangered, including winter run Chinook salmon and spring run Chinook salmon, which are significant traditional foods that tribal people have fished, prepared, and eaten since the time. This project only further threatens their existence and our ability as tribal people to continue our traditional ways. It is not a matter of if the proposed construction and operation of this project would disturb the remains of our ancestors, destroying village sites, cultural resources, landscapes, and our historical and traditional items. It is a matter of when, and we cannot accept that. We will continue to fight this project. In terms of the voluntary agreements, we cannot support a negotiation process that was an exclusionary process that left our tribes, Delta communities, and the public all The state is going against its own policies and commitment to consult with tribes on matters impacting our communities and tribal citizens. We also know that the VAs are not offering a solution to the ecological crisis in the Delta as the agreements fail to provide adequate environmental protections our watershed, fish, wildlife, plant life, and traditional cultural resources require. We need more flows, not less. Our salmon, which are a vital traditional food source, are already endangered and the proposed VAs do not provide them any protection but would put them further at risk. We call on the Newsom administration to honor its own apology to tribes and commitment to righting the wrongs of the past by engaging early and often with tribes on all matters impacting us today, especially when it comes to our water, culture, our lifeways, our identity, and our well-being. Thank you. Thank you. Now I'd like to uh, call up Jason Jackson Reed, he's the Executive Administrative Assistant for the Hoopa Valley Tribe. Are you here? Hi, my name is Jason Jackson Reed. I'm here representing the Hoopa Valley Tribe, but also I'm a descendant of the Karuk and Yurok tribes as well. And first, I just want to thank uh, the Miwok people for welcoming me, me here. And uh, it's beautiful land, and I came in last night and 
you know, I haven't really spent too much time here, but I love it. It's, it's good country here, so thank you guys for your guys' hospitality. Really appreciate that. Um, but yeah, I just want to come in support uh, of the Miwok tribe and, uh, you know, let them know that we, we stand in up with them with, in solidarity. And, you know, like, the, like previous speakers before, you know, water, water is life. You know, it's uh, something that we, that we hold dear to us that, you know, with the, with the fish and the land, we believe as, as Hupa people, as, as Karuk and Yuk people, that our, our social well-being and our, you know, our physical, our cultural, our spiritual well-being, it all runs parallel to the salmon. And if the salmon aren't doing good, we're not doing good. And you see that, you know, you see these diseases that are plagued in these salmon and plagued in our people. You know, we have diabetes, we have high blood pressure, we have addiction, we have suicide. And that all started, you know, when, when these dams and these mismanagement, you know, came into play. And we're still hurting, you know, and it's not, it's not gonna change until, you know, the natives, you know, start start writing a narrative and we start re-indigenizing, you know, management until we are the, the writers and the holders of this narrative. It's not, it's not really going to get any better and, and really it needs to happen. They need to re-indigenize their, their way of thinking, their management practices. Then will we start seeing a change? Then you'll see our social well-being start to improve. But Right now, you see, I know with, you know, back on the reservation, you know, we're plagued with this uh, drug of fentanyl. I'm sure you guys have heard of it. But we, we, we attend more funerals than we do birthdays this last year, and it's, it's been devastating. We have to choose, you know, which funerals to go to because also there's a pandemic that's still in place, and I believe still in place. And so that it's very hard, you know, to, to have to pick that, to have to go to funerals and see, you know, our family members more than we, you know, go to see, see them at birthdays, our graduations, our baby showers. You know, it's, uh, it's really, it's traumatic, you know, and it's this intergenerational trauma that's still, it's still a cycle and we need to break that cycle. And I think it starts with giving narrat the narrative to the natives if um, you know you do that, I think you'll start to see an improvement in in the land, in the water, and also you know in in the people. We need to you know keep you know bio biodiversity. You know, you see if you have that diversity. Oh yeah, see he doesn't like this talk either. But yeah, um, yeah I just want to let you guys know that you know I'm here representing the Hupa people, and also I'm descended of the Karuk and Yurok tribes, and you know, reiterate what I just said that, you know, our, our well-being runs parallel to the salmon. And if the salmon aren't doing good, we're not doing good. And it starts with those, uh, those, sacred, those sacred sites that, you know, for us, it's uh, our, fire, our fire pits, you know, the, those are ignition points. And, you know, we start up there at those, those high parts of the ridges and we put some good fire on the ground and, you know, you. And in return, you get, you know, you get these nice, robust, you know, for us, it's acorns, you know, and so, 
And with that, you know, the deer come and then we harvest the deer. So it improves not only the biological, you know, well-being, but our cultural well-being. We're able to get out there and harvest deer. And, and, you know, if we keep that up, I think, you know, people will start, you know, being able to practice their, their culture more than, you know, on the street, you know, drinking alcohol or, or doing fentanyl, however they consume that. Um, but I think it all starts right there. I think we're in an era of uh, restoration, rebuilding, revitalization. And so I think if we, we implement that and uh, re-indigenize you know, these management practices, that, uh, that's a good starting point right there. Again, thank you to the Miwok people for you guys' hospitality. And uh, the Hoopa tribe stands in solidarity with you guys. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Artie Valencia, we will come up here, please, too. Here you go. Hi, everyone. I'm Artie Valencia, and today I'm representing the next generation of climate water leaders from the Delta. The Newsom administration only responds to the Delta community's climate water needs sometimes, and only when there is an enormous public pressure put on him. First, his administration left out 40% of the Delta from needed FEMA relief despite localized flooding during recent water storms until we got loud. Second, he actually tried to cut flood protection and floodplain funding needed to protect the state's most vulnerable flood community, South Stockton, until we got loud. And then he tried to circumvent governance and small D democratic processes to force through the Delta Tunnel until, until we, we got, got loud. <laughs> He left us during the drought with such low flow conditions in the Delta that toxic algae became a huge water and air pollution threat to the Delta's large environmental justice community. And we are still getting loud because he is failing to lead, failing to protect people, failing to restore the Delta, and failing to restore rivers for salmon. But my generation is not going to let him continue down this path. We will stop the backroom water deals once and for all by uniting, voting, protesting, and advocating. Thank you. Come on, get loud. Get loud. Yeah, they're in session. We've had legislative visits today, so get loud. Now I'd like to bring up Morningstar Galley, Vice Chair, Pitt River Tribe, and also on the board of Save California Salmon. And she's gonna talk about She's gonna talk about tribal water rights, and I hope she talks about murder, mayhem, theft, and genocide. Sasulei, is Albert Tipman here? Chimmy Sunwi, my name is Morning Star Galley. I'm currently serving as vice chairperson for Pit River Tribe. Pit River Tribe is located in Northeastern California, up by Mount Shasta. Our borders are from Mount Shasta to Mount Lassen, up to the Warner Mountain peaks, up to the Medicine Lake Highlands. Our water from the sacred Medicine Lake Highlands, Satitla, flows down into the Fall River, which flows down into the Pitt River, which flows down into the Sacramento River, and down to the Bay Delta. And so we've had a fight against proposed geothermal mining, geothermal energy development of our sacred waters. Even in English, the name of our lake is Medicine Lake that the settlers and colonizers recognized the healing properties of our sacred waters, recognized that 
you know, we used that lake in a way that it provides natural healing properties still to this day. This past year when we went and I brought my children, brought my family to our sacred waters, it was the lowest levels that have ever existed. And there is no regulation in terms of motorboat usage on the lake, in terms of the number of, of campers that uh, it is managed by Bureau of Land Management and US Forest Service that are doing a very poor job of managing these waters. So I talk about this because any effect that we have within our sacred waters directly affects the waters that flow down to the Bay Delta, that flow down to the San Francisco Bay. And so it doesn't affect just us as Native peoples, it affects all of us. And so we're here today to stand for protection of our water. We're here to stand for protection of our sacred animal relatives. Within our pit river, we have dams on our river where PG&E has failed still 80 plus years later. They have failed to fulfill their promise of putting fish ladders on our dams. So we as salmon people, the tribal flag for our peoples is three salmon swimming in the cycle of life. And we haven't had salmon within our rivers for almost 100 years now. So there's an intrinsic relationship between the health of our peoples, the health of our salmon nation, the health of our relatives that are dependent on those peoples, dependent on this way of life for us. And so we say that, you know, we recognize that we are out of balance in this way, that our peoples and our lands and our sacred waters are out of balance. Um, I wanted to ask Albert to come up and share at this time. We are grateful to our Nisanan and Miwok relatives that are here. We thank them for allowing us to be here as guests on their land. And so I just wanted to share some of my time here um, with Albert, who is both Miwok and Pitt River, and grateful to our elders um, for continuing to teach us and share with us in this way. So, Sasulai. Oh, oh, big O for Morningstar. Yeah, those of you that don't know, and if you don't, I don't know where you've been. But Morningstar is my relative from my grandmother's people. And, uh, and I've known her for some time now as I've come back to, you know, following our ways. And when I say following our ways, I'm globalizing that as tribal people across this country. But specifically our California ways of living and being and believing and, um, and I feel honored and blessed that she would invite me up here to share some of her time um, because today I, I came to listen. I came to have an open heart and an open mind. Um, but what I do know, and I know this because I was born native and I will die native man on this land where this capital sits is the land of my ancestors. And we're surrounded by water here. Literally, this land right here is surrounded by water. In any direction, there's rivers flowing, lakes and streams. And there's one river that's named after Miwok language. It's Kos Umne. And if you understand that word, that word uh, literally means salmon people or people of that salmon water. And it's just to the south of us. And guess what? There are no salmon flowing in that river. 
There's no salmon thriving. There is most, most seasons, especially with the drought, the water sits dry. And, and, it, and it's sad because we know that there are other reasons. And this Delta Tunnel project has been proposed for a long time now. And here it is, it's still here. But ancestrally, our people knew the relationship with our, uh, with our water. Our people understood that we are water. That if we're standing now, and we're talking centuries later to protect the very same belief, values, not opinions, facts. It's kind of a sad state to be if, if I was a part of the United States government. And, and so today, I honestly stand with my relative here and saying we have, to, uh, we have to call it for what it is. We have to call it for what it is. This is an act of ongoing genocide. This is cultural genocide, is what it is. We can talk about historical trauma, what happened in the past, we're learning from it, now we know what it is. Uh, intergenerational, some of these things have been handed forward. And now here we are, our generation. And we're, we're standing here saying, we're still fighting, we're not gone, we're still here, we're not going away. As a matter of fact, we're growing in numbers, we're growing in strength, you know, land back, and that includes water, right? And so um, colonization is real, you know. We're all colonized. I'm colonized, and I laugh and joke sometimes and say, I'm not giving up my house with an air conditioner. And about two weeks ago, my air conditioner went out. So still waiting to get that fixed. So that part of colonization I'm holding on to. But, um, <laughs> but as far as fighting and standing for what I believe in, and, and all of you, I'm looking around and I'm pretty sure you all believe in the value and the medicine and the relationship we have with water for ourselves and for the future generations, right? And I have 15 grandchildren, 15, and there's still more to come. And so when I'm long gone, you know, I want my great, great, great grandchildren to know and understand and value these things we're laying down for them. That their great, great grandfather stood for what he believed in and lived it. You know, these things are easy to teach, Ralph Troy Hatch, when you live it, right? You live this prayer. This is a prayer. We believe we're prayerful people. And that prayer means we'll be assertive when we need to with this prayer. We believe in this culture. We believe in these ways, these teachings. There's a sister here right now, Sage Lepina, is, she is what some people in, in the English language would say, she's a medicine woman, but she really carries those cultural teachings of our ancestors. She's an amazing person, and she works with and she teaches what we're talking about here, the relationship with all things, earth. And so again, I could go on and on. I could talk all day, but it's time to rise. It's time to fight. It's time to stand with, even if it's just on your lunch break. Hey.
Welcome back. You are listening to Full Circle on KPFA Radio. We are part of the Pacifica Radio Network. I am your host tonight, Free Willen Franklin, and you just heard the opening ceremonies of a rally at the California State Capitol held by Save California Salmon, Restore to the Delta, and other tribal communities and water rights organizations. Before we go on with the second half of the event, I want to remind you all that this audio did come from a video and it is posted on the First Voice Media Facebook page. Please take some time to check it out. There is much more to it than just what we are hearing tonight, including the dances and songs that were performed. So that's First Voice Media on Facebook. All right, let's get back to the audio. This clip kicks off with Thomas Joseph of the Indigenous Environmental Network. I just want to thank all the previous speakers that spoke before me, uh, especially the indigenous peoples of the land that we're on, as they have uh, shared with us that this is unceded indigenous territories. That's a very key term, unceded, meaning that these lands of California were stolen, that these lands of California were taken from indigenous peoples without their input without any agreement that we can see across the United States with other indigenous tribes, Native American tribes, First Nations peoples, as they had treaties. But here in California, that was, this is stolen land. And so one of the first uh, purposes of why we, we come to these spaces as indigenous peoples is to raise that awareness that what we're facing today is nothing new. It's something old that we have been dealing with since contact that the colonization of our lands continues on today by not only the theft of our lands that happened in the past, but the theft of our water. And that the continual genocide is still taking place. And when the most marginalized communities are being affected and we don't raise their voices up, then we're not completing the whole picture. And so what my sister here stated earlier, the importance of indigenous peoples leading these spaces is extremely vital because they will demonstrate to you what is going on in, within the state. They will demonstrate to you that as indigenous people know, we are in relation, we have always been in re, a reciprocal relationship with our mother earth. And one of the key indicators of when our communities are ill, like my brother from the, the Hoopa Nation also shared earlier, when the salmon are ill, the people are ill because it's an indicator of where we are as humanity. And so when the salmon are ill, the indigenous people are ill, there's your future. That's what's coming to the rest of California. That, that we are now experiencing a, a continual colonization across all aspects. And here we have our, Newsom, our governor Newsom, which is nothing new. He's, a, he's the same old tactics, same old tricks. And as he's going across the United States talking to red states and talking to um, constituents there on how their governors are, are unjust and how their governors are plaguing their social injustices within their own states. Look at your own state, Newsom. Look what you're doing to the people of color within this state. Look at the indigenous peoples and the lives that you're devastating because of your direction and because of your colonial policies. We're an example of that. The indigenous people of California have withstood these colonial tactics. We have continue to raise the importance of the health and well-being of our lands, of our waters, of our fish, of our traditional foods. Because that's what makes us strong. 
And when, as, an in, as a salmon are an indicator for indigenous peoples, that's your indicator as well. If you want a strong society, you want a strong state, then reach out and lift up those most marginalized, which is your indigenous population. The state of California has agreed to abide by the United Nations Declaration Rights of Indigenous Peoples. And in that UN drip, in that declaration, it states that indigenous peoples will, re will receive free prior informed consent of all actions that are taken within their territories and within their communities. This has not happened. We have seen how these water negotiations have failed to let us uh, uh, address these issues at the table has failed to listen to our concerns and our points. Yet we have manicured these lands for thousands of years and, 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 and developed a system, a mechanism, that not only benefits the biodiversities of our regions, but also our communities. And this is the knowledge that needs to come forth. This is the knowledge that's being left out of those negotiation spaces. And so we declare that the state of California must abide by UNDRIP. We must we must have free prior and informed consent of indigenous peoples. These decisions need our input because when they have our input, then will come sustainability. Then will come a, a social justice uh, movement that also understands the importance of environmental justice. Again, news, uh, Governor Newsom is taking his tour to parade to run for our next president. But don't be fooled. These, these social uh, injustices that we see across the United States are rooted in environmental justices that's happening with here within our own state. And so thank you for your time and thanks for being here. Thank you again to Thomas Joseph. And Thomas is here representing uh, the Indigenous Environmental Network. At this time, we'll have Ada Stevenson from Indian Water Commission is going to speak with us now. Good afternoon. My name is Ada Stevenson. I'm president of the California Indian Water Commission here in Sacramento. Uh, I, we have, uh, and we are vehemently opposed of tunnel construction of any kind. This, it'll be the largest, largest illegal water diversion in, in the history of California. One of the things that we are um, keep highlighting is that the racism and prejudice that are in the policies of, California against tribal people, but also people of color and minorities, and those are stuck in poverty. People that are in poverty have no voice, and they really don't count according to this administration. So I really want to stress that people get out and vote, make your voice loud, and be proud. We are the makeup, we are the backbone of California. Water is not only life, water has been treated as a commodity without spirit. Water is the most powerful spirit there is. And if you don't understand that, then you're not even, you're just existing and you're not living. The policies written here in California is the exportation of water or exploitation of water from Northern California to Southern California, who has no, uh, does not have to change their, what's the matter? Oh, that um, the construction the construction industry in Southern California does not have to adhere to water shortage. They continue urban sprawl for miles and miles. Cities running into each other. It doesn't matter if they don't have the water. People come. The water that's taken from Northern California is actually a very active way to continue cultural genocide. Cultural genocide. 
my friends. We're not talking about only economic genocide. We're talking about cultural and tribal genocide. And, and you were probably asking, how do you do that? Well, first of all, I'm a traditional hunter. I'm a traditional fishing lady. I'm also a traditional gatherer of medicinal plants. If we don't have water, how can I teach the children, the grandchildren, the people, the young people in our community, this is how we hunt, this is how we fish. We are now the history standing before you. We are only but to be a memory because we don't have the water that sustains those deer. We don't have the water to sustain the fish. We don't have the water so that our medicinal plants can grow. Everything that we know in this generation will be lost if water continues to be exported to Southern California. Because they're in the city, they're urban people. They have no need to hunt, to fish, to gather. They have everything at their disposal in a supermarket, in a co-op, somewhere. In Northern California, we don't have that luxury. We have to drive for hours and hours to find a store. And we're darn lucky if it has electricity without it being turned off. And I, and I'm, I salute that the people who fought for years and years for the coming down of the, the dams. But we know that it's only the beginning because we know the algae buildup throughout those centuries of water behind this dam is poisonous. We know that the tribes that depend on those, the Kuruk, the Yurok, and the Hoopa, they have decades ahead of them before they will be able to eat healthy fish again. So their economy will be just, it'll, it just won't be there. Their culture of fishing and smoking salmon will be gone, it'll be a memory. But in the big picture, for all of them and all of us down here in the Central, it's the greatest victory. But with every victory, there's tears that are fallen for those that have dedicated and made that sacrifice. And so we should never forget the people that came ahead of us who sacrificed their life, their votes, in the, in the future of their generation so that we can have a better life and that the fish will come back. And we are charged as tribal people. We're raised by uh, the hope as little people that we're here to take care of water, all the land, the trees. And in my, or, and in my tribe, we have flying squirrels, but we have clear cutting. So every tree they cut down is a habitat destroyed. And in my lifetime, all of our kids will never see flying squirrels anymore. And they may not mean anything to a lot of people, but they are history to us. They are our stories in the true sense of, if, if there's no once upon a time, they still exist. But we have clear cutting in our area. What does clear cutting do? It destroys the ability of the land to retain water. So don't think that there's no connection, there truly is. And we talk about the disturbance of water read, um, being um, misdirected, mismanaged. Well, what happens to our, our winged relatives in the sky? Their migratory paths are also diverted. So think about that. One stream going one way is diverted. It affects the soil, it affects medicinal plant, it affects the the ability of water 
of trees to retain that water. It affects our language because we don't have words of diversion in our language. We don't have the things that are negative. We have to translate that in English because English has a word for everything. Everything horrible, they got a word for it, but we don't. And we continue to think positive, but in these turmoil times, we ourselves have to sacrifice how we feel against what we have to do. What are we doing? We're standing here today voicing opposition to the tunnels. We're standing here voicing our opposition to illegal water diversion. We're here standing here to talk about we want the Water State Control Board to have enforcement and have the willingness to say big corporations, it's more than a couple of hundred dollar fine. We want to hurt you on behalf of the people of California. Tribal people here, we are citizens of more than one country. We are citizens of the United States, but more importantly, we are citizens of our own tribes. Therefore, we will always have an allegiance to our, to our people, to our relatives north or south, before we become California citizens. Thank you for your time. No. Thank you to Dana Rose and Ada Stevenson. They traveled really far away to be here with all of us, and thank you uh, for sharing your words. At this time, we'll have Gia Moreno from the Hood Community Council come up and share some words. Thank you, Gia. I want to thank everyone for giving me this platform to speak. Um, I'm Gia Moreno. I'm from the town of Hood, which is right on the Delta. Uh, we are ground zero for the tunnel project. Um, our town will be literally wiped off the map if the tunnel project goes through. Um, we are a small town of mostly indigenous and Latino um, residents. Uh, our people are from the Southwest. We're from Southern Colorado and New Mexico. Um, and when my ancestors and my relatives came to Hood, they built the town up from a series of small shacks and they built the agricultural community that surrounds Hood. Um, all of our, most of our um, residents are elderly, they're low income. And so my family has allowed me to be the voice for them in this fight. Um, I get to work with a lot of really great people. Um, and so I wanna bring awareness and not take away from the other issues. But when we're looking at these massive water projects, the first communities that go are the indigenous communities. They are the, the, the communities of color. They are the lower income communities. And there's no regard for our well-being, for our safety, for our longevity, and for our legacies when it comes to looking at big ag or Southern California. I wanted, again, like I said, to bring awareness to the fact that not only will the tunnel take from the Delta, but it'll wipe us out. And there are no places for our elders to go. Everybody in the town is pretty much related. Um, and there isn't any hope for us if this project goes through. So we feel sympathy with our, our friends that are at the area by Sites Dam would be um, with the same regard to, it's a life or death situation. Um, it's a life or death situation for, for the environment and for the salmon. The project, it's very short-sighted. 
they're not thinking about what the future will be for our children and for our grandchildren. They're not looking at the environmental impacts and the social impacts 10, 20, 50 years from now. They're just thinking about water needs in the immediate, even though this pro the tunnel project could take up to 20 years to build. Um, so again, I'd like to thank you, and I would like for everyone to adamantly oppose the tunnel project, the site stand project, and to support the restructuring of the state water projects because they are deeply flawed, deeply racist, and uh, what is, I don't know what the word would be for, <laughs> they don't care about the poor people essentially. So thank you. Thank you so much to Gia for representing the Delta communities, allowing tribal peoples to speak for themselves and on their own behalf is definitely key. Uh, Cassandra Curl. Hestum relatives. My name's Cassandra Curl. I'm Winnemumwintu. My creation story, my tribe's creation story comes from Mount Shasta. We believe that the salmon gave us their voices and it's our responsibility to speak for them. I apologize for the tears. My ancestors make me walk with my face. <laughs> In our Winnemum language, the word for salmon is nur. And I wrote a poem that was recently submitted to win nurse speak. It was a beautiful art exhibit that we held in Shasta County. I'm gonna try to read it. <laughs> the title of my poem is Nur by Fire. In the frigid snowmelt, life begins and ends. A long purposeful journey felt in every scale and fin. Navigating downriver, hundreds of miles to go on their path to the ocean. It's the only way they know. Following the songs of the people and the map of the stars, the vibration from drums and dancing provides proof they know where they are. Our ancestors had a connection that our hearts cry for today. We sing, dance, and speak for them. And at ceremonial fires, we pray. The health of the river and all that it connects can be felt throughout villages and all that have respect. From the top of the mountains, our spirits call with desire to lead our relatives home by the light from our fires. Chalabeskin to the Miwok people for allowing us space in your ancestral homelands. The reason we're gathered here, the reason why we speak is because we are answering the calls of our ancestors. We're also laying down a path for our next seventh generations. I thank you all for being here and appreciate you through my tears. <laughs> thank you, sister. Sasulai, thank you so much. They mentioned there was one more speaker, Valley Band of Pomo Indians, Tribal Tipo and Elder. Good afternoon. How are you? Wakshi'e, Ran, Montez, Buchike, 
My name is Ron Montez. I'm an elder from the Khabenapo tribe, the rock people tribe. Khabe Napo. Khabe is rock. Napo is our village, our people. We aren't we don't have these surnames like Ron Montez. That was given to me because of when the Spanish came, the Mexicans came, and they raided our villages and took all our men. And they made them their property, their slaves, and their free laborers. Then they went back and took the women and the children. So our names dictate who we belong to. But my name is, my, my wife wants to call me Khatsia, which means mud hen in my language. A coot wants to call me that, from Khabenapo. Our people had names according to your skill, and then they would know to talk about you at different places, saying, you know that man that likes to eat mud hen, his name is Khatsia? Uh, and they'll say, oh, yeah, Khatsia from Khabenapo, the rock people over by the village where all the rocks are. That's how we knew each other. So today I'm here because I'm standing with all of you, that we are a people that have been looked down upon, less than human, less than, or just barely above animals. We were treated with contempt there was a bounty on our ears and our scalp to prove that uh, the first governor said they wanted to eradicate all the native people from this land because they wanted our land, they wanted our resources. But Creator had other purposes for us. He placed us in all these different places, all these different villages, and he gave us resources that we would be fed from that we would be nurtured from, that we would learn how to use the different resources for our clothing, for our shelter, for our regalia, as we give thanks to the animal kingdom, and we give thanks to the birds and the, our elders. These are our elders standing here right now. They have witnessed things that could tell of our history. And so all of those natural things that you see are related to us. Those are my relations. These are my relations. We just live in a different place. We're all one body, one blood, one people, Hintel people. That's who we are. I wanted to say a prayer before I, I, was, I leave. And, Say it in my language and interpret it. And this is prayer for all of us that we go from this place being inspired and to know that we do not fight alone. We do stand together in our spirit and our ancestors are watching over us and they're proud of us for bringing this voice out, speaking on behalf of those that have gone before us and speaking of those who cannot speak for themselves, our nature, our food sources, our resources that Creator has given us. 
So I would like to start this prayer. It was taught to me by my uncle. It was a little over 100 years before he died. In our language, O Wahadika means creator. So, O Wahadika, Ni'inal Haba'ulkuma, O creator, our hands are raised to you. Come and bless our native people, our Hinto people. Bless our black people, our white people, and all people. We are kus and our kawi, our babies and our young ones. We are ach and gacha, our grandmothers and grandfathers. We are buchike and dakara, our elders, our elder men, buchike, dakara, our elder women. We are maaya, our food. We are ka our water, wea, our bichet, our meat, wea, our soy, our bread, wea, our sha, our fish. Wea in our language means that spirit wind. We're asking it to come close and bring blessings to these things. Wea, maea, this ground, that ground, all the ground where you live, wea, ma, ea, the land that we put our foot upon, that you gave to us, and that was there to bring life to us and for us to take care of it and manage it and all those resources in it. And the last thing we say is we say, oh, that means our amen, that means we all agree. So could you say that with me? One, two, three. Oh! Thank you. Thank you. Sasulai Teran Montez, Tipo for Big Valley Rancheria of Pomo Indians. Um, I want to say thank you to all of you for being here. A special uh, shout out of happy birthday to Kim Dio Campo. Um, I don't know if she left yet, but happy birthday, Kim Dio Campo and celebrated her birthday to be here with us today. So happy birthday to her. So thank you to all of you. And uh, please visit the California Water Coalition websites and Save California Salmon websites. Thank you. So, so And that brings us to the end of tonight's show. Remember to check out our website, kpfaapprentice.org, just after the show for pictures, archive shows, and important links and information related to tonight's show, um, including the video to the entire event featured tonight will be linked there. Shout out to the Full Circle crew, Miss M, the executive director, and me, Freewell and Franklin, I have been your host tonight, and I'm also the technical director for this show, Full Circle. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, while you're out there, to please protect your health and also your humanity.
and stay tuned to KPFA. Up next is La Onda Bajita. Good night, everyone.